Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Welcome to church today. A little while ago, I preached a series of messages about the second coming of the Lord Jesus. It's one of the most common themes of the New Testament, and it's a truth that we all need to be aware of. So, Jesus is coming back. Then what? God's day of judgment begins. So over the next four weeks, I want to speak to you about this critically important subject. It's something every one of us needs to be aware of and to get ready for. I'm going to speak to you over the next four weeks about the judgment of God. And I want to read a fairly long portion of scripture. It's from Paul to the Christians living in one of the most wicked cities in the world, the city of Rome. And this is what Paul said, beginning at verse 18 of chapter one. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is praised forever. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and they received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at what point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know 
that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Wow, what a powerful portion of scripture about the judgment day of God, the wrath of God. If there's one short Bible text for this series, it's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So we preached about the second coming of Jesus. We looked at the signs of the return of Jesus, the mental state of the world, anxiety, fear, a perplexed world the moral state of the world, unfettered, insane wickedness, debauchery, and rebellion against God, the spiritual state of the world, rebellion, idolatry, and witchcraft, many other signs, earthquakes, famines, wars, and so on. The greatest sign of the return of the Lord Jesus was the nation of Israel that has returned miraculously to the land of Israel, Palestine, and God has given her the land and he is preparing for her to rebuild the temple. It's all in the Bible. So Jesus is coming back. Why? He's coming back to put an end to this global madness and rebellion against his sovereign rule. This is his world. He's coming back to put an end to the defiance of the nations against the word of God, against the refusal of people to pray and against the open rejection of Jesus. God's son and answer to our problems. Jesus is coming back to take away his people, his bride, the church, before he unleashes his judgment on a rebellious, godless, sinful, 
world. He's coming back to prepare Israel to fully surrender to him, to accept Yeshua, Jesus, as their Messiah, and for Israel to experience national revival and renewal. He's coming back to the world for the establishment and the functioning of his eternal kingdom. You can read about this in the Bible. God will not allow this personal and national rebellion against him, against his people, against his way, against his sovereign rule. He will not allow it to go on forever. He's coming back to put an end to it. There are no more signs that need to be fulfilled. The next great event in the calendar that God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back to life those who died in Jesus. And then this, we can tell you this with complete confidence. We have the master's word on it that when the master Jesus comes again to get us, those of us who are still alive will not get a jump on the dead and leave them behind. In actual fact, they will go ahead of us. The master himself will give the command, archangel thunder, God's trumpet blast. And then Jesus will come down from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise. They'll go first. Then the rest of us who are still alive at that time will be caught up to meet them and into the clouds to meet the master. So reassure one another with these words. The rapture of the church is when believers are caught up with the dead who are resurrected and we're taken to heaven before God unleashes his fury against a rebellious world, against Israel for their coldness to God and their rejection of their Messiah, Jesus. You know, God always removes his people and protects his people when he releases his judgment against the wicked. Like in the days of Noah and Lot, people were carrying on their ordinary lives when the world came to an end. And people will be carrying on when Jesus comes back. The dead in Christ will be resurrected. Those of us who are alive and remain will be raptured, caught up to be with Jesus. It will be lightning. Suddenly, in a flash, he will come. Two men fishing in a boat. One will be taken, the other left. Two men working in a field. One will be taken and the other will be left behind. We've taught about these things from God's word so that you and I can be ready and watching and waiting and working because Jesus is coming back. Well, when he comes back, what's the next thing that happens? The judgment day of God begins. And that's what I wanna preach about. So I wanna pray with you about this important subject. Father, I pray that you would make this incredibly important subject clear so that we will get ready individually and as a nation for the return of Jesus. Anoint your servant as he preaches it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. In Hebrews chapter six, verses one to two, Paul talks about spiritual growth. He says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ and be taken forward to maturity. And then he gives six foundational truths upon which we can build our Christian lives, the elementary things, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Here are these six elementary principles. Repentance, 
Number two, faith. Number three, baptism. Number four, the laying on of hands. Number five, the resurrection from the dead. And number six, eternal judgment. And many of us know about the first four, but we don't know too much about the resurrection and judgment. And so that's what I want to talk to us about over these next four weeks. Paul was standing in Athens on Mars Hill, speaking to them before the statue of the unknown when God, when he said this to the people who were listening, he, God, has set a day when the entire human race will be judged and everything set right. That's what I just talked about. And then he went on and said, and he has already appointed the judge, confirming him before everyone by raising him from the dead. There is a day that God has set in his eternal calendar. It is called judgment day. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after that comes judgment. Every one of us have an appointment. We have an appointment with death, but we also have an appointment with the judgment of God. As we understand this, we need to begin with the resurrection of the dead. Resurrection and judgment are related and they're connected. In the Bible, you won't find a general judgment or a general resurrection. Rather, the Bible teaches a series of resurrections and a series of judgments. Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse 25. Verily, verily, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they shall hear and they shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has given the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not that at this. For the hour is coming in which all that are in their graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Two resurrections that Jesus talks about. The first is the resurrection to life. The second is the resurrection to damnation. You could also say this. The first is the resurrection of the believers, those in Christ to heaven. And the second is the resurrection of the unbelievers, those who have rejected Christ to hell. The prophet Daniel in the Old Testament confirms what Jesus said in Daniel chapter 12. At that time, it's the end times, Michael, the great prince who protects his people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes, hear this, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. The Bible teaches about the first resurrection to life and the second resurrection to damnation. The Bible also teaches a first and second death. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. The first death is physical death, the separation of the spirit from the body. Everyone will experience this first death. 
physical death. Doesn't matter who you are, you're going to die. A physical death. This is the first death. The second death is a spiritual death, which is eternal separation of the spirit of man from God. Only those who have not accepted Christ are subject to the second death. Believers, those who belong to Christ, are part of the first resurrection and are not subject to the second death, not subject to eternal separation from God. Jesus said this, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Believers, get excited about this. If you belong to Jesus, we have everlasting life now. We have passed from death to life. The second death, eternal separation from God has no power on us. The resurrection power of Jesus already lives inside us. The Bible says in Romans chapter, 10, chapter 8, verse 10 to 11, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. We have life now, the resurrection life of Jesus. It's ours forever. So there are two resurrections, but there are also two deaths. And so too, there are two judgments. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die and after that comes judgment. Everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to be judged. The two judgments will take place after the first or, or the, the two resurrections. The first judgment will happen after the first resurrection, the resurrection to life. The resurrection, the second resurrection, the second judgment will take place after the second resurrection, the resurrection to damnation. The first resurrection will be followed by the first judgment called the judgment seat of Christ. This is a judgment for believers. Paul wrote this to the believers in Corinth. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And that was written to Christians about their good works. You need to understand this as the series goes on. Very important. It's a judgment of believers for their work while on earth. It's not a judgment of sin, a judgment of condemnation. Jesus took our sin. Jesus took our condemnation. We accepted it. This is a judgment for the appraisal of what we did as Christians while we were on this earth. It's a judgment for the kind of rewards that we will get in heaven and for the role that we will have in the new heaven and the new earth. Because of how we lived, we will be rewarded and given a role. The second judgment will take place after the second resurrection. This will take place after the 1,000 year peaceful reign of Christ. You can read about that in Revelation chapter 20. Just as the second resurrection is a resurrection to damnation for the unbeliever, it is a judgment for sin. It's called the great white throne judgment. In the book of Revelation at the very end of time, Satan is about to be judged. It says this, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. 
another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades, hell, gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow, this is the great white throne judgment of God. It is not a judgment for rewards. It is a judgment of condemnation for the sin of people who refused to allow Christ to take their sin. This is the time when God finally says, I will no longer allow Satan and his demons and wicked men, Christ-rejecting world, to pollute my precious creation with their sins and their depravity any longer. This is the time when God says, I will no longer allow the wicked to rule over the righteous. This is the time when God says, because I love my people and I love my world, I will remove forever all those who persecute my people and damage my planet and will not bow in love and surrender to my sovereignty. This is the time when the curse that came on the world in Adam's day is removed. This is the time of judgment for damnation and hell for the unrepentant wicked and for their rebellion against God and for their rejection of Jesus. There is a judgment day coming. This is the day when every knee, including those who would not bow on earth, every knee will be forced to bow and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and the sovereignty of King Jesus is paramount. This is why it is so important for you to give your life to Christ. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. You need to make sure that your name is written in the book of life and that you've surrendered to the sovereignty of Jesus. You know, in conclusion, as Paul was standing on Mars Hill and he saw these idols and statues, he said to these people, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance. What ignorance? Worshiping false gods, idolatry. But now, he said, he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. We do not have to go to hell. We can live with Jesus forever. We can go to heaven. We have a hope. Our only hope is Jesus who died on the cross to pay for our sins. Our sins are removed. We are transported from death to life and we become followers of Christ. Our names are written in the book. We have hope. All of this is based on the resurrection of Jesus. Because he rose from the grave, we too will rise from the grave. Because he lives, I too will live. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. We have an eternal and a living hope. Jesus, who was judged on our behalf, is our Lord and King. There was a small village in rural Russia and the people were gathered together by the new communist regime. As they sat on the grass patiently, they were harangued 
and hassled and harried by the speech of the local communist leader. He spoke of the glories of the almighty socialist state and the wonders of the communist party and their great communist leaders. He went on about the new order that had come to liberate and save the people of oppression from oppression. He spoke of the hope and the bright future that the communist party had brought them. Quietly for an hour, the people sat patiently and listened respectfully as on and on he went. And then when he had finished his speech, the communist official with a pompous voice turned to the local pastor and said, now I give you five minutes to speak to the people. The pastor stood and gently replied, sir, I don't need five minutes. I only need five words. The humble pastor dressed in his shabby baggy suit turned to the people, looked intently at them, raised his fist and said with a confident voice, Christ the Lord is risen. The people leapt to their feet. They threw up their arms and in a triumphant salute of solidarity and hope, they shouted back, he is risen indeed. <laughs> there is nothing as powerful as our resurrected Jesus who saves us from sin. I hope you know him. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watertochurch.com. Hey!